Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. It is April 7th. It is opening day. And we have made it through opening day. Our livers might not because, <laughs> well, you watched opening day. Uh, the Brewers ended up losing. Um, and that is the source of our frustration. I'm Dave Gasper. Matt Carroll joins me as always. We are the editors at reviewingthebrew.com. Uh, Matt, I've got, you know, now that baseball is back, it's starting to feel like summer, even though I know that there are flurries in the forecast. Um, <laughs> but I have here a Liney's Summer Shandy Ooh. as my cold brew of the podcast. What are you drinking tonight, man? Delightful. I mean, my cold blue, cold brew is a whiskey on ice, so it is cold. Um, I drank my only beer, which was a PBR during the Brewers game. So that was all I had left because I have not gone uh, to the liquor store for a while. So, oh man, we got what we got. Yeah, got it. Got to stock up and get ready for uh, for opening day at Miller at not Miller Park, American Family Field. <laughs> coming true. up in a week here. That's going to be. That's going to hopefully go a whole hell of a lot better than it did today. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, we'll get into that uh, here throughout the podcast. But first, I think we need to start with uh, the real big news of the week, and that is Pedro Severino getting popped for PEDs and suspended for the first half of the season for the first 80 games, leaving the Brewers without a backup catcher two days before opening day, which, uh, as David Stearns was kind of saying to reporters, this is not really an ideal time to be searching for (laughs) A team need, especially backup catcher, um, and it's uh, it is not a good time. And uh, it, it was a horrible time to lose Severino. And uh, the I feel bad for Severino because mm-hmm. I mean you uh, you saw his statement and yeah. um, you, you got popped for a clomiphene or something. I think it is. That sounds close enough. Close enough. Yeah. <laughs> So it's basically a fertility drug uh, that he was prescribed by his doctor because him and his wife were trying to start a family and they were struggling to do so. Um, and it ended up, there ended up being a substance in there that was under MLB's banned substance list. And he ended up testing positive for it and suspended. And I, I really feel for Pedro, man. I mean, that's, that's gotta suck. Like he, it, he's not trying to cheat the game. You know, he's just trying to start a family, and that's just a, a horrible blow, man. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately not even the first time we've heard of something like this. Um, there there have been players in the past who have actually, I've heard this, you know, same excuse come out, excuse if that's what you want to call it. Um, and I have no reason to think that he's lying, so um, I, I will take his word for it, but it just sucks that, you know, there are still substances that are banned per MLB's policy. And when you are going to take anything, any sort of, you know, medication, pill, anything that enters your body, that is not just regular old food and drink, you have to check, double check, triple check as many people as possible to find out for sure that nothing you're putting in your body is going to end up showing up on a positive test. And unfortunately for him, you know, that ended up being the case. Like even, even your doctor, like, doesn't, they, they try and help you out, but you know, they're not experts of MOB's drug policy. Um, so you need as many opinions as you can get before determining whether or not that's safe. And, you know, yeah, you're, you're right. It's, 
absolutely not the ideal time. Not that it's ever an ideal time to have to all of a sudden look for a backup catcher, but teams generally only carry two catchers. That's that's 50% of your uh, catching <laughs> core yeah. right there. Not yeah. good. No, not good at all. And then, I mean, considering the, the pitching steps the Brewers have, and now we got to get, now you got to get someone in there who can learn that pitching staff and can know them. Um, and doing that on the fly is extremely difficult to do. Um, and, you know, you, you look at the other options on the Brewers 40 man roster, you had Brett Sullivan and Mario Feliciano. Mm-hmm. who had a combined one game of MLB experience. And that one game was, of course, Mario's, where he mm-hmm. heroically drew a walk and scored the winning run uh, of a game last May. Uh, get, just sure kind of drop that in there. Yeah, Sure did. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. If I didn't drop it in there, I knew you teams. would. I would have. Yeah, absolutely. But the Brewers weren't quite ready to call one of them up to be the backup uh, to Omar Narvaez. They, they want to kind of, you know, give Narvaez some rest here and there. I mean, they, they rode him pretty hard in the first half last season. He struggled down the stretch. So they want to get someone to kind of share time. And Feliciano and Sullivan weren't quite ready for that opportunity. Uh, if this were the second half of the season that Severino got suspended, they one of them probably would have been ready and they, and they would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But instead, for the first half, they needed to look elsewhere and so as soon as David Stearns was notified, he immediately began making some phone calls uh, and it culminated in a trade the next day for Victor Caratini, the former mm-hmm. Cub and former Padre. Brewers got him from the Padres. Um, he was going to be the backup out there and you Darvish's personal catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting that he now leaves you Darvish. Um, so Caratini comes in and he actually got to play. Uh, today over the final few innings and uh, he caught Aaron Ashby a couple couple balls popped in and out of the mitt but uh, we'll get again we'll get to that in a bit but so Caratini comes to Milwaukee in exchange for Brett Sullivan one of the catchers down there in AAA and Corey Howell Mm-hmm. Uh, Howell's, you know, pretty decent infield outfield prospect. You know, he was kind of lost in the shuffle of infields and outfields, really kind of overshadowed by, you know, the big guys, Joey Weimer, Garrett Mitchell, Sal Freelich, uh, Bryce Terang, um, all those guys, all those positions. Howell was really kind of overshadowed. He put up some solid numbers, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had him in kind of, you know, the, the, the 20s uh, on the Brewers prospect list, but um, it, it's still kind of a steep price to pay for a backup catcher, but also you kind of had no other option. Right. Um, and, and as we were looking around, you know, at potential trade options, cause it did seem um, like that was going to be one of the, uh, the way that they were probably going to go for those exact reasons. Um, Feliciano didn't have a whole lot of experience at the AAA level, having been injured for most of last year, Sullivan had only 90, games of triple a experience to his credit, um and that was with the rays before we got him um no uh major league uh experience as you had said so that wasn't where they were going to go there's no what the free agent market for catchers was completely bare it was no. about i think jeff mathis was the uh the best catcher out there and he's like 90 years old so they weren't going to go that route so um, looking around at trade candidates, Caratini wasn't exactly one that popped up. And I think well, one of the main reasons is because he was you Darvish's personal catcher. Uh, 
he he went from Chicago to San Diego with you Darvish for specifically that reason. And it did not seem like uh, the Padres would want to let him go. In fact, I saw a tweet that showed the uh, splits of Darvish with and without Caratini as a catcher. And they they were, are not great uh, with other catchers. So that'll be interesting to watch, but um, they end up going and getting him. Um, When you think of Sullivan being swapped for him, that's not, I guess, as big a deal. You do still have Feliciano in the pipeline. Um, the nice thing about Caratini is he does have another year of arbitration next year. So you do have at least one experienced catcher still on the roster if they don't extend Narvaez or keep Severino around for a second year because both of them are free agents after this year. So now you at least have a little bit of um, certainty for next year. So that's kind of nice. Um, but yeah, Corey Howell, um, that's a very solid outfielder infielder combo um i know recently i feel like i've been thinking of him more as an outfielder but he absolutely can play everywhere it seems um yeah i think mlb pipeline had him 17 did i say in um in the article it was right around there. something like that um, yeah. pipeline had him at so you know that's a decent prospect to be getting rid of um and he was decent in 2019 as well he had some pretty good numbers so um but it's it's you know, Brewers don't have a whole lot of leverage when they're looking for a second catcher, you know, a day before the season starts. So, yeah. You, and and AJ Preller knows you're up. desperate. Exactly. But like you're kind of that point. Everyone knows that you are desperate. Um, and that, that's really kind of where you, where you got to go. When I put mm-hmm. up my three uh, external options to fill that void, I actually looked at Jorge Alfaro uh, mm-hmm. instead yep, of Caratini. Right mostly because I assumed Caratini is Darvish's personal catcher. They're not, they're not going to move him. Darvish mm-hmm. sucks without Caratini. Right. But sure enough, here they are. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll certainly take yeah. this over Alfaro. <laughs> I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not complaining here. Uh, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a big move. And I mean, Caratini is someone, I mean, he was pretty much the everyday catcher for the Padres last season um, because Austin Nola was hurt a lot. So they really kind of relied on Caratini a bunch and, and he did solid. I mean, he's not the greatest offensive catcher, but uh, he knows how to handle a pitching staff. He's mm-hmm. familiar with the division, uh, having spent so many years with the Cubs. Uh, so he's somewhat familiar with uh, at least seeing the Brewers pitchers. Uh, so that should make it at least a little bit easier for him to, to catch up on uh, how to catch them. Uh, so that should definitely help. And I mean, for, for the Padres, it's like, Hey, I mean, if you're taking one of our catchers, we need, you know, a catcher somewhere back here as well, which is where uh, they had to throw in Sullivan. Cause I don't think the Brewers wanted to get rid of Sullivan, uh, no. you know, from all the reports, they really liked him uh, and wanted mm. to see what he could do. And I feel so bad for Sullivan. I mean, I, I remember Adam <laughs> McAlvey, his article, a uh, friend of the podcast, his article as spring training was getting underway how Sullivan basically coordinated the Brewers spring training at that high school field while we were still in a lockout, mm-hmm. getting all the, the pitchers and the, and the players and everyone there, getting them uh, spotted a field, a place to work out and do all this stuff uh, while the lockout was ongoing and they couldn't go to Maryvale. Sullivan really kind of coordinated all of that. And, you know, he did all this work to get the Brewers pitchers ready to go for spring training. And before opening day, he gets shipped off to a different organization and I know it wasn't because they wanted to, but I just feel so bad for the dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's a bummer. Cause they, they had um, seen quite a bit that they liked in him. Um, they're able, it, it's not every day you're able to get a guy 
in free agency who is still young and has all his options left um, and throw him on your 40 man roster and have him as a potential option for the future. Um, and you know what? He, it, it, it was possible that he would have made a nice little lefty righty combo with Feliciano in the future, if that was the direction they decided to go. Um, but unfortunately he moves on, but yeah, like we said, you got to pay a little bit if uh, you're, don't have a whole lot of leverage. And honestly, they might even be lucky that they didn't end up having to pay more for something like that, considering the position they were in. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really a, a terrible position to, to look from. And then once the Brewers um, traded Sullivan, you know, then it's just kind of Feliciano at AAA. And it's like, oh man, now we need mm-hmm. a backfill at AAA. And so they had to make another trade this time getting Alex Jackson from the Marlins uh, in exchange for Hayden Cantrell, friend of the podcast, by the way, and mm-hmm. Alexis Ramirez, who hasn't pitched since 2019, but he was a really intriguing, uh, hard-throwing pitching prospect that the Brewers had. Um, and so they give up those two guys in order to get Alex Jackson uh, to backfill there at AAA, former number six overall pick in that 2014 draft. But... <sighs> I, I thought you were going to try not that. to mention that draft. <laughs> uh, no, nope. I, I, we'll, I we'll went back it into it and I regretted it instantly. No, nope, don't do uh, that. Uh, never, was... never look at the 2014 draft. It never yeah. happened. No, clearly because no one ever showed up to Milwaukee <laughs> from that draft class. Sure didn't. Uh, but anyways, Alex Jackson uh, now has a chance to show up uh, in Milwaukee from that draft class. Uh, but the Brewers also paying a seemingly other steep price here uh, to get him, giving up Hayden Cantrell, former fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I get the point of it, um, you know, having to backfill Sullivan now. Uh, so you have a second triple A catcher. Cause yeah, it was just Feliciano left at that point. They had moved up uh, Brian Navarretto. It uh, looked like just for roster purposes until they made that move um, as I was kind of just taking a look to see what their situation looked like. Um, obviously he got shipped back down after that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. That just seemed, that seemed like a lot to give up for a guy who, if you haven't looked up his minor league or major league numbers, just don't, <laughs> they're not great. They're, it's they're like the 2014 draft. Just don't look it up. No, exactly. He has, so he has 61 games of major league experience. He did, he played, he got shipped to the Marlins uh, at the trade deadline yesterday in the Adam Duvall trade. He ended up staying at the major league level for the rest of the year. And that was, that's a bulk of his experience. Um, for his career in the major leagues, he's hit a whopping 132 with three homers. Those all came with the Marlins. Uh, he struck out. He has struck out in nearly half of his plate appearances as a major leaguer. Again, just 61 games, but is what it is. As a minor leaguer, you know, a lot of times with those players, it's like, oh, okay, but like they're they've bashed at minor league in the past, so it'll be worth it. No, 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 he hasn't really done that either. 236, 319 on base percentage, eh, not great. Um, I don't know. I don't know much about him. I don't know if he's good defensively. Um, I didn't get much of a chance to look into him because this all happened really fast. So for a guy like that, like, yeah, he's a sick, former six overall pick. That's great. Um, but he hasn't really seemed like he's lived up to it. He's had injuries here and there. So maybe Brewers are trying to look past that. Maybe they see something big. 
um, in him, but to have to give away Cantrell, who um, average was low last year, but his uh, on-base percentage was super high. So like, as we talked to Sam Dykstra, new friend of the podcast um, a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, he was really excited about him. He was actually about to bump him onto the Brewers top 30 after Corey Howell got shipped away and then Cantrell gets shipped away himself. Um, so he had a lot of promise ahead of him. Um, and then, yeah, Alexis Ramirez, a guy who it sounds like had some intrigue behind him to have to give away those two guys to get Alex Jackson was, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's one though. Usually I can see the bright side of a lot of trades and this one I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. Yeah. And part of that is also, you know, as we've been saying, they had no leverage. Um, but you know, Alex Jackson, I feel like he has to be good defensively because if he's even making right. it, he's it up, something. if he's making it up to AAA and even MLB being that poor of a hitter at every mm-hmm. single level, he has to be good defensively. If he was bad right. defensively, he would have been, he would have been like released and like still down in a ball and he wouldn't have been anywhere uh, by this point, even if he was the sixth overall pick. Mm-hmm. what eight years ago now oh my god 2014 was eight years ago he oh sure god. was <laughs> oh my god matt we're getting old yeah yeah Ugh. yeah don't don't even don't even to me <laughs> oh man this man we are just going off the rails here uh, <laughs> it is that everyone. kind of a day i i've had a day man i need something stronger <laughs> than the slinies like seriously uh but uh yeah so Alex Jackson trade, the Victor Caratini trade. Uh, Brewers give up four combined players to get two to replace one. Um, that's six. That's six other careers, man, that have been mm-hmm. impacted directly by Pedro Severino. I think Cream City Prospects was the first one to to bring this up, but because of Severino's suspension, you know, th- this directly changes. The, the careers and, and lives really of six other players. You know, it, it directly changes things for Caratini, for Howell, for Sullivan, uh, for Alex Jackson, for Cantrell, um, Ramirez, changes everything for all those guys. And indirectly, it also changes things for you, Darvish, because now he loses his personal mm-hmm. catcher. All of that, all of these changes to all these people's careers, because Pedro Severino had fertility issues, you know, trying to start a family. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's a crazy butterfly effect of, of all these things. Just, just that one thing, going to the doctor, trying, trying to, you know, get a drug to help you start a family turns into two trades that impacts six players. It, that impacts six players' families, their agents, like everything else. All these people just kind of keeps on spreading out all because of this, one thing it's crazy when, when you kind of look at it that way yeah yeah no absolutely um yeah and all over the course of what 24 hours from the time this uh, suspension was announced to the time that the two trades were announced yeah i mean all very very quickly so as we're as we're all as fans kind of trying to uh just looking forward to opening day and you know preparing for the season and so are the players, obviously, and their families and everything. Whirlwind of activity kind of just affects just a, a number of guys. So, um, yeah, but, you know, the, it is what it is. Um, 
we will get uh, Severino back for the second half of the season, but not the playoffs. So that is part of the suspension is he is now ineligible for the playoffs this year. So he'll be able to come back. Um, I believe I did see that Caratini actually has a minor league option remaining. Is that correct? Um, let me check here. I thought I had seen that somewhere. And if that's the case, then, you know, I don't think they're going to option them though. I wouldn't think so either, but you will have three catchers on the roster all of a sudden at some point um, halfway into the season. So Brewers will have some interesting decisions to make, but once the playoffs starts, it's Narvaez and uh, Caratini. So um, real quickly, just to get back off track a little bit, um, I was able to pull up Alex Jackson's scouting report from 2015 Ooh. in MLB pipeline. So just to get a little bit a better idea of him. Um, funny enough, it says he was thought to be the best high school bat in the 2014 draft class. Um, so that has kind of tempered down, obviously, a little bit. Um, he did have a 55 grade arm and 50 grade fielding at the time. So projected to have still a 55 grade arm and but 45 grade fielding um, in the future at that point. So I think that's safe enough to say that his defense was at least regarded pretty decently, which actually um, is pretty impressive for a high school catcher um, that they thought highly enough of his defense where he would at least grade out. Okay. Um, So I imagine the brewers do see a little bit of that. Um, He did have potential 55 to 60 grade power at the time. Um, He hasn't hit for a lot of it. So I wonder if they think they can tap into that as well. Um, But yeah, so that was, that was Alex Jackson in a nutshell back in the day. Yeah. The problem is the holes in his swing, you know, the, mm-hmm. the raw power is there, but if you can't make enough contact, you're, you're right. not going to be able to make use of it. I mean, I think that was the same thing that was uh, going at Joey Weimer, you know, when he was coming out mm-hmm. of the draft, you know, he had a ridiculous amount of raw power. Everyone knew it. I mean, you'll look at the guy, I mean, he's built like a lumberjack, <laughs> you know, and, but he had the wonky swing and, you know, a bunch of holes in it. So it's like, you know, is he ever going to be able to tap into it? Now, mm-hmm. granted, Joey Weimer has made some changes and he has been able to tap into it uh, quite well. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do with Jackson. Um, you know, he's going to be down there in AAA uh, with another high school catcher draftee, Mario Feliciano, mm-hmm. uh, drafted a few years later. But yeah, it's uh, it's filling out that, that catching core and you know, really, if, if something happens, I think Feliciano is probably first in line to get called up now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, get him a little bit of time there at AAA and kind of get back in the swing of things. Uh, used to AAA competition. He only got that basically little cup of coffee last year uh, is what it turned out to be. Um, but just get him ready to go. Um, they were bound to call upon him at some point this year anyway, um, just because injuries and stuff happen. So um, now he'll definitely need to be ready. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's going to be a wild one. Uh, if this uh, lead up to opening day was any sort <laughs> of indication. Um, so it's uh it's going to be fun. So now the season has begun. Finally, mm-hmm. we had to wait an extra week because Rob Manfred is a dickhead. Um <laughs> That is that is the official position of the Cold Brew Podcast, by the way. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so we had to wait a week, and it's all rainy and gloomy in Chicago, and they don't even allow tailgating. 
the Brewers posted on, on Twitter, there is a sign tailgating is not permitted. Mm-hmm. And I am just appalled and aghast and confused as to why the hell anyone would live in Chicago or go to Cubs games at all. Why do they need that sign? There's no freaking parking lots there. Like what? Where because they knew Wisconsinites I, were coming down and we will tailgate anywhere and anything. <laughs> we'll tailgate a funeral. If we want to. Like, yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I have. You <laughs> I I yeah, but like I've been to that stadium before, and unless I, I guess they didn't walk the entire thing, but I sure don't remember any parking lots around it. So I don't even know where that sign would have been. Like, what's the point? But yeah, you're right. I mean, Wisconsinites will be looking for somewhere to tailgate. So hey, get off our lawn. Yeah. Uh I, I don't get why we keep on getting scheduled so many April games in Wrigley. Like they always have like a whole bunch of Cubs homes games in April mm-hmm. when it's freezing and terrible. Like it's always terrible playing in April in Wrigley. And they always just schedule a whole bunch of games. There's like, why, why don't you put the Cubs in their roofless stadium? Why don't you take them on the road to somewhere in the South for the first few weeks of the year, you know, have them play as few home games as possible and in April, and then just have them have a whole bunch more in like June and July when the weather is not terrible for everybody. I don't get it. And they always have the Brewers be the ones that play there. There's yeah, like, but- there's always like two series that the Brewers, two of the three series of Brewers play in Wrigley. It's in April. And the other one's in like September when it also starts getting chilly. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. Why? Who makes this schedule? All right, clearly not the college baseball schedule makers because they all seem to be able to figure out, hey, make the Big Ten teams start on the road and then they can finish out, not Wisconsin, obviously, uh, but then they can finish out the rest of their schedule back home. Like, you would think they could figure something out. I don't know. Or just put a damn roof on your stadium. Yeah. I get it. It's Wrigley. Whatever. The it's fun's historic. Over. Put it fun's over. Put a roof on it. Yeah. Hashtag. Unbelievable. Mm. Uh and then the game actually gets started. You know, got all the rain and gloom. And um, you know, it's, you know, you see, you know, they're doing the you know national anthem also have showing shots of the crowd. It looked pretty empty, man. Like there, there were a lot of open seats there in Wrigley. I mean, it's like, are we playing at 120? Because these guys don't have enough fans to afford to pay the light to pay for the lights, <laughs> have a lighting bill. Well, that did you notice that behind home plate, basically like the left half of the screen was all full of fans, and the right half of the screen was half empty. Like even right behind home plate, there were a bunch of fans missing. Yeah, like and you're looking like the upper deck, no one there. And it's like, hmm, did the mm-hmm. rain keep everyone away? Maybe you should put a roof on it, or just you know not have mm-hmm. opening day in freaking Wrigley. Well, you um, saw they were giving away super cheap tickets, right? Or selling? Oh, yeah, super I, cheap I, I did see that. Yeah. So can't even fill the stands. Shame, shame. Yeah, yeah. But hashtag it's different here. <laughs> yeah, that is the Cubs hashtag for the season. The Brewers have this is my crew sure is. again. Uh, the Cubs is hashtag it's different here. Um, and after the loss of Javi Baez and Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, I would have to agree. Yeah. Um, but even still, the Brewers couldn't win on opening day. Mm. 
because of Nico Horner and Ian Happ and Kyle Hendricks and the few of those guys, you know, that actually did stick around. Uh, and of course the umpire just having a huge wide Ugh. zone helping out Kyle Hendricks all the time. I mean, it was ridiculous. The calls that he was getting. Yeah. Uh, especially the, like, as you're looking at the screen, the left side of the zone was pretty wide. Um, there was one, I want to say it was, I want to say it was to Yelich. Like, no, it wouldn't have been because it was a right-handed batter. It was to someone and it was way out there. Um, and it ended up bouncing out. I felt like over the course of the game, cause there were some calls that um, all of a sudden at the end, the zone started shrinking because at the end, the brew, uh, the Cubs pitchers weren't getting the call. So maybe, maybe just, I don't know, maybe he's best buds with Hendricks. Who knows? Um, Ian Happ, I'm, I'm done with, I would be happy to never see that guy again, trying to get to his splits to see if he's been as cruel to the brewers as I feel like he has in my head. Um, but I, I was, I was talking to a buddy at work saying that like, he was talking he's a Cubs fan and he, you know, he's not exactly optimistic about the season as he shouldn't be. Cause you know, he got rid of all their good guys. Um, and talking about, oh, we only got this guy and this guy and this guy. is like, man, Ian Happ, though. Yeah, actually, as I'm looking it up, he does not have good career numbers about the Brewers. So, I don't know. It must have just been in my head. Or it's been all recent. He's only career 213 hitter against the Brewers. So, of course, of course, he goes off of on opening day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Corbin Burns, uh, he got the start. Uh, much you know, well-deserved for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but he didn't have his best stuff early on. It took him about two mm -hmm. innings uh, to find that cutter. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was just kind of, he was missing a lot early on. His first batter he faced of the season, he allowed a walk. Mm -hmm. And last year he didn't give up a walk until what? His like fifth, sixth start. He struck out 58 batters before he allowed mm -hmm. his first walk. And now first batter he faced, boom, walk. It's like, what? What is going yeah. on here? Uh, it took him a little bit to find it, uh, but he did. He found it there in the third inning. Boom, boom, boom. Three straight strikeouts. It's like, all right, he's dialed in. He's good. We're good. Everything is fine. Bruce jumped out to an early one nothing lead. You know, this, this is fine. This is great. Everything's going along smoothly. Um, but, uh, you know, that fifth inning, man, fifth inning, just, you know, some more uh, soft contact and then, uh, then some hard contact. And then it was a three, one Cubs lead. Yeah. Yeah, it sure was. And speaking of the walks, I mean, so carbon burns ends up having three, uh, three walks, four strikeouts, obviously very unburns like uh, ratio there, but the brewers walked four times total. The Cubs walked four times total. So eight walks in the game. That that's a pretty decently high amount. Um, I'm curious to see, especially for, um, teams that play, you know, up, up North, as they say, um, how some of those pitchers are going to do with the shortened ramp up period and then having to turn around and throw their pitches in the cold. I wonder if we're going to see more outings like this in games in like Chicago and Cincinnati and Minnesota and New York. Um, if that's going to be a little bit of a trend until things either start to warm up or the pitchers start to, you know, kind of loosen up and you, they start to hit, you know, that period that would be the normal time after, you know, they've had a chance to warm up for the season. So it, it, 
it was surprising seeing burns not you know as sharp as we're used to but at the same time yeah that's something we got to remember is like they're because of the lockout they're not working off of a normal schedule so you, you know some pitchers might be a little bit off and especially if you go outside and it's 45 degrees and drizzling or whatever like I, I can't imagine that makes things any easier yeah right after being in 80 degrees and sunshine in arizona yeah um, it's a really a, a big change. Um, and yeah, you know, it's, it was kind of a, a rough start, but you know, it was, wasn't anything too terrible. I mean, five innings, uh, three earned runs for Burns. Uh, I figured he wouldn't go too deep. I mean, he had what, 83 pitches, I think, um, you know, about kind of where I figured he'd be, uh, on that first start of the season, uh, the Brewers offense, uh, the first hit of the season belonged to Andrew McCutcheon. Um, and he was facing a right-handed pitcher, a pretty good right-handed pitcher in Kyle Hendricks and first swing, boom, double. It's like, Oh, okay. I was, I was told Andrew McCutcheon couldn't hit righties his next time up, <laughs> boom, opposite field, uh, single. And he's two for two on two swings. I'm like, Hmm. So Andrew McCutcheon is still good. Um, and he had a, he had a pretty solid day there. Uh, the Brewers had several, uh, of their leadoff hitters get on base and they just were not able to bring them around. I mean, it, it was, I think I tweeted a tale as old as time, at least like <laughs> five or six times today. Like there was uh, Corbin Burns strikeouts, tales old as time. Um, you got um, umpires giving uh, horrible ball strike calls, tales old as time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Wilson Contreras getting upset about hit by pitch tails all this time. <laughs> yep. Uh, Brewers stranding runners in scoring position tails all this time. Brewers getting lead off runners on base and stranding them tails all this time. I mean, it was it, what, what's old is new again. Nothing really. It, it, it's all the same, man. It, it's it's the same kind of complaint. Same thing we kind of seen before. Runners in scoring position, leadoff runners get on, can't bring around to score. A whole bunch of strikeouts, not just not able to get the job done. When they finally did put the ball in play, Lorenzo Kane hitting a ground ball to first base, Schwindel bobbled it a little bit, mm-hmm. which allowed, uh, which took away the chance for a double play. So they only had to go to first to get the second out of the inning, which allowed the run to score. So, you know, that, that's putting the ball in play. You got lucky mm-hmm. there a little bit. And they just couldn't do that with regularity. They keep on, they kept on striking out and they, they couldn't get runners across. Uh, and somehow Kyle Hendricks, who like never generates whiffs, never gets a bunch of strikeouts. He's always striking out the Brewers in, in these situations mm-hmm. and, the, and they just can't hit him. It's the strangest thing. It's, it's the new Jose Quintana. It's, mm. it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, for some reason, Hendricks is back to owning us. Um, they had mentioned we finally got to him in one outing last year. Um, so I I'd thought that the curse was maybe over, but nope, just like opening day two years ago, Kyle Hendricks uh, basically, it wasn't as bad as that because that day, uh, if I remember correctly, Orlando Arcia had the only hits of the game. He had three hits. The entire yep. rest of the Brewers had none. Here, the Brewers did manage to get a hit off of every pitcher that entered the game, except for Michael Givens. And he only pitched to one batter and struck him out. So everyone else, the Brewers got a hit off. Of. That's great. Um, if you go down the line, um, every single brewer, every single brewer got on base at some point or another. That's cool too. 
but one for 10 with runners in scoring position. Just like we're used to one for 10, nine players left on base. It actually felt like it was more than that. Um, But yeah, you just, you can't, it's hard to win that way. And, you know, granted, you know, are we going to win most of these games? The Brewers put up four. Um, A lot of times that's going to be enough for the Brewers to win um, with the pitching staff that we have today. That was not the case. Um, but some days those are going to go the Brewers way, but you don't want to bank on only needing four runs to score. That's not why they went out and got McCutcheon. That's not why they went out and got Hunter Renfro. Um, they went out and got those guys with the intent that the offense was going to be better this year. And yeah, so not, not a great start, but, um, I, I think still some positives It is just one game, obviously one game out of 162. Yeah. But it's the first game. And that means Twitter overreactions. Um, <laughs> another one of uh, my tales oldest time uh, ones. I think I did Christian Yelich grounding out to the right side. Tales oldest mm. time. It's yeah. He went what over four? I think over uh, three with a walk. Over three with a walk. Over three with a walk. Yeah. Uh, over three with a walk. Pair of ground outs. I think. Um, I think he also had a sack fly in there. Like sack fly is nice. Nah, that's you know, the that, other one. Yeah, that, that's productive, but. Um, you know, still, it's like you'd like a little bit more damage coming from that. Um, and that was a pretty shallow sack fly as well. I mean, they were lucky mm. the throw was offline that uh, Wong was able to score. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Yelich, again, coming up to the plate in clutch situations, not delivering, uh, hitting more ground outs to the right side, not really driving the ball at all. It's we can't draw any conclusions from it. It's one game. You know, I've seen, you know, I see people on Twitter here. Oh, my God. I, I had a couple here earlier because, you know, everyone loves to react initially here on Twitter. And most of it is negative. Um, but, I mean, you got a lot of people here. It's just like, oh, no, Yelich is washed. Um, he can't find it again. Um, let's see here. Uh, is it fair to ask if Yelich was juicing or stealing signs for two years? Uh, oh, God, the stealing signs. Yeah, it wasn't just his knee that was broken. Um, you know, he's not the same player after the injury. Uh, it, just kind of like all this stuff. And I'm just like, look, it is one game. Even when he was going right, he had 0 for 4 days. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it, it happens. It, it's baseball. So you can't really draw too much into it. Um, But when it kind of has been a continuation of a trend that we've seen over the last year or two, every day that's not, you know, him having a a really good day uh, or or having several good days in a row is just kind of more just kind of dread. And it's just like, oh, he's never going to get back to it. You're like, we're going to have to see like a solid week or two weeks or a month of Yelich really being like, like really going good again and in a groove at the plate before he can have an 0 for 4 day without people freaking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's got, he's got to prove, you know, that he can show some consistency uh, when it comes to his at-bats. If there's any positives we can take away, I guess, um, his two ground outs were hit at, 97 miles an hour and almost 106 but straight the into the ground but man th- exactly Ugh. it we talked about this was it last week like he's yeah. got to he's got to elevate he's got to get under the ball 
a little bit, hit more, you know, line drives or preferably homers. Um, You can't just beat them into the ground and expect everything to be okay. So, I mean, yeah, he made some good contact. That's something we can take from this, but hard contact is not everything like that is not going to get you, you know, your average up to 260, 270, 280, where we need it to be for the brewers to get to where they want to get this year. Yeah. It's uh, there's a lot riding on, on Yelich finding some form of production again. Um, you know, the brewers didn't really make any massive overhauls to their lineup. I mean, they had the DH position added. They got Andrew McCutcheon for it. They replaced Avisail Garcia with Hunter Renfro. You know, is that an upgrade? Is that kind of, you know, where you were before, um, you know, it's, it's probably similar to where they were before, maybe a slight upgrade, but not that much. Um, so you're really like, you know, for this offense to improve upon last season, you're banking on Christian Yelich and Keston Hira returning to form and, and being productive. And especially with Yelich occupying that three spot in the lineup, uh, you're depending on a lot of production from a guy mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, they, they just need to be able to find it again. And um, Twitter may not have much patience for it. Craig Council is going to have a little bit more, obviously. Uh, and the Brewers, like, let's face it, the Brewers are stuck with him. Whether he's good, mm-hmm. whether he's bad, he's here for the yeah. next seven years. It's, it's yeah. not changing. Nope. So fix it. <laughs> Figure out how to at least squeeze out as absolutely much offensive potential as you can out of Christian Yelich because you have no other choice at this point. So you might be able to do something different to lessen the burden on your team, like drop them farther in the order. I'm not saying he has to hit eighth or anything like that, but like at what point I'm not saying they need to do this now, but at what point do you consider maybe Christian Yelich is, you know, we got to put him at five or six or, you know, God forbid seven or something like that. Like it, 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 at some point, if he is who he is, maybe who he is, isn't the number three hitter anymore. I don't know. Again, not saying that is a decision to be made right now, not saying that that's not who he's going to be going forward. Um, but that could be a reality that the Brewers have to face at some point to put their team in the best position to succeed. Yeah. Uh, I, I've even seen somewhere like maybe try putting him in the leadoff spot. And just use mm-hmm. his on-base ability. Um, and, you know, if the power's not there, you know, even when he was with the Marlins, I mean, he was a guy who could hit 280, 300 um, and, and get on base a really good amount. So it's like, why not put him there on the leadoff spot? He can set the table for the guys like Renfro and Telez and McCutcheon and Adamas and uh, those guys. But, yeah, it's we, – we don't want to draw any conclusions yet. You know, it's, it's right. game one. But, you know, it's just it's just kind of a reality that he's going to need to have at least a couple weeks or a month of really good production before we can before the fan base is going to be able to go, you know, is going to be able to withstand an 0 for 4 or an 0 for 3 uh, game or or a, a stretch of two or three 0 for games and not completely panic because that, that's just the mm-hmm. nature of a fan base. That's the nature of Twitter. I mean, he's occupying so much of the payroll. Everything is really kind of revolving around him on that offense. And if he's not producing, the team is not going to go where everyone wants it to go. And if the team's not going to mm-hmm. go there, everyone's going to get pissed. 
and everyone's going to be upset. And it's just like, why is this not working? We have this fantastic pitching staff. We need them to build the offense so that it can work. But you have $26 million tied up in a guy who all of a sudden hasn't been able to hit like an MVP player when you're paying him MVP money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but every every game's not going to be a 45-degree drizzly game against Kyle Hendricks. Like there will be opportunities for him to go up against, you know, easier pitchers, pitchers from different teams with, you know, not as good defensive support. And like, who knows, maybe he just needs a good run of mediocre to bad pitching to go against, to get him set right. And then see where he goes from there. I don't know. Um, But one game, especially this game, shouldn't be the one game that we read into you know, Andrew McCutcheon's going to win NL MVP or Christian Yelich needs to be cut. Like (laughs) those aren't the, you know, ultimate conclusions to be made about this season just because of a game like this. No, no, there's really not much for ultimate conclusions you can draw from, from all of this, uh, except that the Cubs are obnoxious, um, but we Mm. knew that beforehand. Right. Um, Pre-existing information. Yeah, yeah, we, we already knew that. It, it was just reconfirmed again today. Oh, also, I can't believe I forgot about this one earlier. Another tale as old as time. Cubs fans celebrating a flyout, <laughs> thinking that it's a home run. Can't believe I forgot yeah. that one. I didn't forget it on Twitter. I just forgot it here in this podcast. But that is a tale as old as time. of mm-hmm. A routine fly ball. Oh, my God. A home run. Oh. <laughs> just back-to-back ones, too. Yeah, I did it again. Oh. And granted that one was deeper, but it's still like the, with the wind blowing out, it still didn't even go out. So yeah. come on guys. Yeah. Come on. Get it together. Uh, speaking of get it together, the brewers get it together. No. All right. There's a, there's a long season ahead of us. Uh, let's not get too sad about one game. There's going to be plenty more wins uh, coming up for the brewers. You know, it's, it's 162 game season. So a lot more coming and a lot more to uh, get excited for. Yeah, got mm-hmm. uh, the rest of the series coming up here. And then we got what Baltimore after that. I believe Baltimore. so. Baltimore before, uh, before we before the home head home for the Cardinals. Yeah. And Baltimore sucks. So we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh God. There's things be Baltimore. Now, if I say yeah, that yeah. now all of a sudden, like they lose that series to Baltimore, then if they lose a series to Baltimore, then everyone's going to be like, panic! Don't panic It will, it will it not is... be a fun episode next week. No, Twitter you. Twitter will not be uh, fun at that point either. <laughs> no. uh, Twitter is already kind of reaching that point. One single Brewers loss, and everyone's jumping off the rails. It's going to be fine, guys. It's going to be fine. Yeah, we got this, everyone. Yeah, so... All right, that'll do it for a very uplifting episode of the Cold Brew <laughs> Podcast uh, here. Be sure to stay tuned to Reviewing the Brew all season long for the best brewers coverage you can find anywhere on the World Wide Web uh, on Al Gore's internet here. Uh, <laughs> and be sure to stay here on the Cold Brew Podcast. New episodes every single week, breaking down everything for the brewers. We finally have real games, games that matter to break down. And we've got one so far. And they went 0 for 1. So naturally a very gloomy episode. It's all uh, up from here. 
It's exactly there. We, there's the optimistic glass half full, uh, beer half full. No, my beer's way more gone than that. Uh, kind of uh, thinking that we really need here. Um, so that'll do it for this week's episode of the Cold Brew Podcast. We'll see you next time uh, and hopefully have much brighter news um, and more Brewers victories to share joy.